1: Hello and welcome to the Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game, and is doing our first ever three pm record. I'm Kevin Day, and he's Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. Kieran, it seems it seems appropriate,
0: Kieran, especially for two men of our age that we're actually doing a three o'clock kickoff. Yes, it, it, it's it's wonderful in a way because mm. I, I can't actually remember the last three o'clock kickoff I've been to see at the Amex Ground. So this this is the nearest I've been to it. Yeah, so I,
1: I can't remember the last three o'clock kickoff. I was at with us because I drink too much after the game, basically. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, the only dilemma doing it at three o'clock has given me is that, is it too early for a glass of wine? And I decided, Kieran, even though it's still technically the Christmas holidays, I've gone for a cup of tea, Oh, which is very mature of me, very professional. It is my job, technically, so I really should not be drinking while we're doing it. Uh, and also, I think it's going to be a fairly short pod, so I'm confident that it won't be that long for me to wait. Um not many stories this week Kieran in the first week of the new year but the first one is a, is a big one Kieran Southampton have new owners who are they and how much have they
0: paid? Um it's a Serbian media mogul mm. who has uh, who's who set up a company now We're getting a variety of stories as to how much they've actually paid. Um, This company has raised one hundred million pounds, and it's uh, the 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 existing majority owner, a Chinese gentleman, Chinese businessman called Mister Gao. uh, He he bought Southampton for two hundred and eight million a few years ago. Um, The press are reporting that he sold it for a hundred, so it looks like that that's quite a severe uh, loss. But I've had. Some messages from people who are a bit i t k who who seem to think he's he's actually got a bit more than that um so it looks like it, 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 it's a minimum of hundred but on, on top of that it looks like the new owner is also uh taking on the debt of the club and Southampton borrowed eighty million pounds from this uh this this boutique Lender called MSD Holdings, which is connections to the the, the computer dude, uh, Michael Dell. Um, and, and they're paying a lot of interest. So they're paying interest over 9% on that. So uh, if you if you add all the numbers together and start getting very geeky uh, with a spreadsheet, I, I think we're probably talking around about 220, 230 million. Um, by the time you you factor in all the costs, but so I, I still think the owner will take a loss, but not the extent of the loss that's being reported. Mm, uh, ironically, I
1: didn't know what it came in. I had to Google it very quickly. So, <laughs> <laughs> in the know, it's not it's not one I've come across before. So, have have they acquired the new owners have acquired the whole
0: all of the club? No, they they've acquired eighty uh, percent. I think the other twenty percent is. Owned by the daughter of the former owner. Uh, I think her name is Catherine or Kathleen uh, Liebherr uh, and she's uh, she's of Swiss nationality. She mm. owns twenty percent, but doesn't really have a uh, an involvement. Um, the, the the Chinese businessman who did own the club, he, he's been there about four or five years. He's he's not put a penny into Southampton, and he's not taken a penny out either. Trying to work out his motives, and he doesn't speak English, and that's that's not a criticism i, I don't speak mandarin so uh, i don't i don't think we sh- we should be uh, sniffy uh, towards him uh, just because of that but therefore you know, i think communication was uh not great between the club and, and the fan bases to to his ambitions and aims um and i i've i've heard rumors that he's been trying to sell the club for a significant period of time and uh, i i think he's taken the view that whilst he's he's lost a bit of money um, from this, Southampton's probably losing money on a day-to-day basis, so it allows him to cut his losses. Uh, two
1: things, Kieran. I, I don't know whether it's significant, but I noticed yesterday that the new owners, that their initial statement talked about they have been looking for a sports club, which I thought was interesting, rather than a football club, um, for, for quite some time. And Southampton is the one that fits their criteria. Do you know what? What criteria they would be talking about why is Southampton a good a good buy for these people when it they 're implying that they 've been looking at other clubs for quite some time
0: um, well i, I think it 's a case of getting the price right um, and also having a club which is familiar. With the with with a development model, um, it's, it's, I think it's noticeable that one of the people who has come on board has just recently left Brentford, and uh, b- what Brentford have achieved is absolutely fantastic. But theirs is very much this this uh, this moneyball approach to to football, in which they use analytics and metrics and algorithms to identify players who are being undervalued in the market, but also whose skills. Would uh, fit in well with English football uh, because just because you're a good footballer doesn't mean that you're going to you, you, your your particular skill set is going to work mm-hmm. in every division and in, in every league. Um, so he's he's come on board with this, and it also seems that um, that the new owners are are looking for um, a, a multi club ownership model, whereby I don't think this will be their their only football club, uh, and and the advantage of that is that if you own four, five, six clubs, if one of them gets relegated, it's not ideal, but you've still got the certainty of money coming in from the other. If you just own one football club um, and that gets relegated, especially if it's in the Premier League, you've got a huge financial shock to have to deal with. So I think they want to build up um, a series of football clubs um, and there are, yeah, you know, we've discussed this before. The advantage of having clubs in Europe is that you can recruit players at sixteen and seventeen, which you can't now do in the Premier League or the EFL post Brexit. So you've you've therefore got you, you use these uh, overseas clubs as holding areas. It was a a quiet
1: day on Sky Sports yesterday, Kieran. Not a lot of transfer news, mainly because every agent in the world is busy sending videos to Newcastle, trying to offload the donkeys, <laughs> essentially. So this was the big story all over Sky yesterday, and they they reported it every half hour. This is fantastic news for Southampton fans. This is the best news Southampton fans could ever hear. This is a great late Christmas present for Southampton fans. Is it? Fantastic news for them, Kieran?
0: Um, No, um, I I saw some of those reports as well, and and I thought that they were um, a bit over-egging the pudding because there's no evidence that the new owners want to inject additional funds into the football club. This this new company, which I've forgotten the name offhand, it's raised £100 million, but that money has gone straight to to Mr Gow. Um, so whether they're going to try to do something similar to what we've seen at Burnley which is again relatively new owners who are going to try to be smarter than the rest of the premier league and and to use that as, as a vehicle to be successful um whereas you know if, let's be honest as football fans we're, we're all looking for quick fixes mm. uh in the sense of yeah, we, we we want the uh we want the 30 million pound guaranteed 20 goal a season striker that everybody else wants of course. Um so I'm I'm not sure that Southampton fans will be overjoyed there was there, there were no signs of them you know wearing Serbian headwear in <laughs> uh, in, in the dock area. Um and uh you know the, the dock area of Southampton is it is quite an interesting place to go because I, I remember when when we went on cricket tour there and uh, and I was rooming with my legendary roommate the prowler and and he took me on a tour of uh southampton docks at midnight which was an eye-opener to say i'll say no more than that yeah i I will
1: merely pause to say kieran uh, headwear shouldn't really be worn in the dock area (laughs) probably in the head area rather than the dock i've been to southampton docks not at midnight i i how you ended up rooming with the prowler, I don't know, Kieran. But there's, there, there can't be many reasons why you go to Southampton Docks at midnight. Now, if we if we'd recorded this at, at one o'clock today, Kieran, or eleven o'clock today, this story I believe would already be out of date because I I'm I'm told uh, mainly by a tweet from you, which is <laughs> generally my source, <laughs> um, that there's been a very last minute development because that the the story that Guy sent this morning, the board of Coventry United Ladies have decided to end. The club. Now, my question was going to be why, but I understand there has been a late development.
0: Yes. Um, On the 23rd of December, the owners of Coventry United ladies' team uh, announced that they were putting the club into voluntary liquidation. Um, This came as quite a shock to the team to the management and, and everybody else uh, that they, they were in their their first season in the uh, uh, in the championship they they were originally planning this season to turn professional on a full-time basis and that had been deferred because of restrictions due to covid and, and the amount of money that the club was wasn't was just struggling to generate compared to having uh, having a, a normal season um and it, it it really hit everybody because mm. you know the, the, the club had had developed it, it it's had a, a an up and down history in terms of uh, it was playing at the rico or planning to play at the rico and then then when wasps came along uh, that they, they got they effectively got evicted um their their most recent accounts they they even had an audit you know and and as we've discussed many football clubs in the EFL they're not audited mm. but the the auditors were happy um and then um, you know, it, it, it all went very sour. Um, I th- think the players weren't therefore paid for December, which is very distressing. And... Um, and what we have seen, uh, the, the the liquidation was due to officially be signed off, uh, and, and this is sort of you know tr- traditional sort of accounting speak. Uh, it would have officially gone through at eleven fifty nine p.m. on the fourth of January, which, which in effect tends to be five p.m. because that's when everybody knocks off work. Right. Uh, but at four fifty two p.m., um, a guy called Lewis Taylor, who who runs an energy company, and he also sponsors. Wolves women's team. Uh, he he's come in, uh, and this 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 is this is you know if if Southampton fans are you know, indifferent as to about the new owners that this yeah you know, this anybody that's involved with Coventry United this does look excellent news. Uh, mm. He's come in, he's negotiated a deal with the with the accountants who were. Uh, were processing the liquidation. It looks like he's going to put in somewhere between 200 to 250K. And, uh, you know, fingers crossed, Coventry United will be able to fulfil their fixtures for this season, which I think is good for the integrity of, of the WSL mm. um, uh, in, in, in terms of the championship, um, and will also allow the club to sort of uh, create a pathway forwards.
1: So I misread your tweet. And if we were recording this yesterday... At one o'clock, it would have been old news, but <laughs> yes, it's, it's, it's still it's it's still close. Well, that is good news. We'll be taking a, a proper in-depth look at the finances of, of women's football next week. So we have a guest on from Clapton Ladies, um, who are currently very angry about the distribution of mm. money in football between the men and women's games. So that should be interesting. And uh, talking of accounts, Chelsea and West Ham have just published their latest accounts. Anything of interest in there?
0: Um. Well. Um. Chelsea got the FA Cup final, qualified for the Champions League, won the Champions League. You think that's a pretty impressive season. Um, and, and I'm sure Roman Abramovich is is delighted. However, what he had to do, effectively, every single day between of the 2020-21 season, he had to write out a cheque for £427,000 to every keep day. the club afloat. Every day, every day, the, uh, Chelsea lost. Um, they, they lost around about, uh, I think it was 156 million. Um, Ooh, he has a company called Camberley International Investments, which effectively plugs the the losses in another one of his companies, which owns Chelsea. And um, that that company is owed over over one and a half. Million. But to lose 427 grand a day for what we consider to be one of the most successful. Football clubs. It's it, certainly this century. You know, if you, since since That's, Abramovich course, has come into football, yeah. uh, you know, it's won the Champions League twice. It's it's won the it's won the Premier League. It, it's been regular cup winners, uh, and uh, I think it's it, it's indicative of the the different mindsets that we have within football. In that, I, he won't be happy doing that, but he won't be unhappy because he's he's won the Champions League. Yeah. And th- this is what we refer to as, as a trophy asset where you, you buy into something or a company with with the aim of getting some form of reward from it, which is not financial. And, of course, that's up against the likes of FSG at Liverpool and the Glazers at Manchester United, whose, whose sole aim is just to make money. And hmm. um, what about West Ham? Um, in terms of West Ham um, – that they compared to chelsea they they had a great year they they only lost half a million pounds a week oh, right. um uh, their, their revenue up, was up their their wages were static um so again west ham had a, had a decent season last year but to still lose 27 million pounds is it's it's crazy and yes we we have to take into consideration covid and without covid i suspect they would have come a lot closer to breaking even um I think one of the things which will irk um West Ham fans, although um you know, the the relations between the think the fan base and the board have, have have become slightly more um Entente Cordial, um is that uh, Messrs. Gold and Sullivan are still charging interests on their loans. And and uh, if you if you take a look at the period since they've acquired the club, they've they've charged West Ham 22 and a half million pounds in uh, in in loan interest. Now that that's not excessive, you know, Manchester United have paid over 800 for example, but it it does annoy the fans because it, it, if 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 as the owners claim we are West Ham fans through and through um, and you, you know you've you've got own owners at Palace they've lent the club in money interest free. Mm. I support Brighton. We've got an owner lent money interest free. We've seen the same at Leicester. We've seen the same at many other clubs. Um, th- this does stand out a bit, and I think it causes a bit of bad blood. Um, you know, David Gold and David Sullivan are successful in their own right, you know, outside of West Ham, uh, and, and I think this is uh, uh, this is a bit of an own goal, really. Um, you know, they, they'll argue that it's cheaper than borrowing from a bank, so the club's benefited and they benefit as well. Uh, uh, but uh, that that appears to be the the one area which West Ham fans are unhappy with but on the pitch. Of course, they're absolutely delighted. They're they're having a fantastic season.
1: Well, that's that's the the rub, isn't it? If they were if they were in the bottom four, they'd be really angry with yes. Golden Sullivan, wouldn't they? Yes. It's like yeah. our, our mutual friend Mark Webster always said a couple of years ago when West Ham fans were moaning about the new stadium. He said, as soon as we're in the top four, this will be the best stadium in the world, and it's it is at the moment now. This next story, Kieran, is about my club, Crystal Palace. And what amazes me about this is that I knew nothing about it. And that's astonishing because, as you know, I'm on several WhatsApp groups and one of them will ping and go, my sources are telling me that Wolf Zahar dropped his toast at training this morning. (laughs) And then another WhatsApp group will go, yeah, butterside down is what I heard. So (laughs) you hear hear a lot of stories coming out of Crystal Palace from fans. I, I, I don't know how. Martin Kelly's driver seems to be quite talkative (laughs) by the sound of things. Um, But this is a story that I... I, And I I checked with friends as well this morning and none of them had heard this story, but Palace, it seems, have taken out a loan secured on Selhurst and other properties. Now, I assume the other property would be the Academy, which has only just been built.
0: Um, That's right. It is the the property assets of Crystal Palace. And the first thing to say is, there is absolutely nothing wrong with this, and you know, as a Palace fan, it, I, w- I wouldn't be getting worried. Uh, you know, m- many clubs are borrowing money, and-, and we've seen Sheffield United do the same recently in, in the last week or so. Um, but it is increasingly common that uh, football clubs are going to um, non non standard lenders, i.e., sort of the boutique <laughs> lenders here, yeah. and uh, they're. They're saying we've got money coming in. Yeah, we we've got guaranteed money uh, in terms of uh, uh, broadcast money. Potentially, we've we've got money coming in in respect of uh, transfer dealings and so on. Um, and, and we've got a bit of a cash flow issue um, because the nature of football is that it's uh, you your your money coming in is lumpy. You know, and you, know, you you're. Yeah, we were in a discussion before, yeah, you, you you do freelance work, I do freelance work, and it's it's money. Sometimes you have good months, sometimes you have bad months. It's exactly the same for a football club. They get a large amount of money coming in in June stroke July because they get their first tranche of money from uh, the, the Premier League TV deal. They get a large amount of money when fans are renewing season tickets. If they sell a player, they will normally get a, a significant amount of the transfer fee at that date um, as well. Um, and and then they might be getting an instalment. So so the money coming in is is lumpy. The money going out is is fairly constant. Yeah, you know, the biggest cost is going to be your wages, and and your mm. wage bill has to be paid each month. So um, that's that's what Palace have done. And, and uh, trying to work out who the lender is, you know, it, it comes up as MGG Lux Waterford One S A R L. So if you if you sort of that's hump that Palace down. One. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I don't think it's the Porson's Arms Address, <laughs> um, sadly. So. It, could, it could, for, for tax reasons, Kieran, it could well be the Porson's
1: Arms <laughs> Address. Kieran, um, this is uh, an interesting one for me. And, uh, you yeah, know, it's easy to say, don't be worried, but I'm a Palace fan, so my default setting is worried. Although maybe I could go to Steve Parrish and say, my uh, January, February is looking a bit lumpy. I hear you've had some money in, could you see me through to May? But... um <laughs> What's interesting as well, and a couple of the Palace fans I spoke to this morning said, we've just had a new investor in John Texter who's just mm. come in and, and put a lot of money into the club, so it would seem odd that we're suddenly asking for more money, and it's that's that's the slight worry, and, and then, of course, people start to put deal, because Texter's just invested in uh, Boa Vista, I believe, yep. a Portuguese yep. club, so you you wonder if it's anything to do with that, So, but you think it's it's always going to be a cash flow loan, basically.
0: Yeah, it, it looks to me like working capital. Um, there's there's nothing specific in it in terms of the amount or the interest rate. There's, there's, very, there's very few details, right. um, which you know, which from my point of view as a as a nerd is is frustrating because I like yeah. to know just how much each each club owes at any one point in time. But but, but yeah, there's no obligation to show that information. Um, so I, I I don't think. Um, I don't think it's 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 necessarily a bad thing. Um, you know, again, putting two and two together, is this uh, part of the the opportunity to get sort of spades in the ground in in terms of the development of the, of Selhurst? You know, then mm. that might be going forwards. I know some other fans have been in contact with me to say Conor Gallagher is is this is this a deposit for him? Um, I, I think that's unlikely. I'll be surprised if Chelsea um, will let him go. Um, Given given that they're a club in constant flux, to put it mildly, um, but uh, I, yeah, my, my my gut reaction is uh, that it's uh, it, it's working capital requirements. Um, I think for timing of it, you know, the twenty second of December probably sort of made some people scratch a few heads. As you say, you know, there has been money put in from from John Textor. Um, he he. He's now the the largest shareholder uh, at mm. Palace. If if uh, if if the rumours are correct. Um, and this is a classic case of a club could simply say put something up on the website. This is what we've done. This is why we've done it. Yeah. And and everybody goes home happy. And and this is something I don't understand about football clubs because it is relatively easy to deal with by being transparent and being upfront.
1: Yeah, although having said that, you know, I, I didn't know. I'm, I'm guessing 99% of Palace fans probably wouldn't be aware that this happened anyway, would trot along in blissful ignorance. And yeah, amazingly, Kieran, having only just learnt the expression ITK, when it comes to Conor Gallagher, I am ITK. Oh. And I will predict with ninety nine point nine percent certainty that we will not be buying Connor Gallagher. <laughs> right. um, uh, those Palace fans who think that he's on the way to the club, I, I don't think he is. Unfortunately, but I am fairly certain it's not going to happen now. <laughs>
0: or you're an aspiring musician, manager or label owner who wants some inside knowledge on how Spotify's financial model really works, or what the future holds for independent live music venues, this is a show for you. Subscribe to The Price of Music in your podcast app now. See you soon.
1: The next story, Kieran, it almost almost beggars belief. To be perfectly honest, the EFL have scrapped COVID testing on match days for players to try and prevent war games being postponed. I mean, that, that's Alice in Wonderland Boris Johnson logic right there because they, they haven't tested positive, so they haven't got it, so they can play football. Yeah. I don't, I don't, this this is not, I mean, this is the sort of thing that, you know, somebody might do on New Year's Eve, think, I'm not going to take a lateral flow test. I might not be able to go out to the party, but. This this is this is bigger than that, isn't
0: This is strange. It it is, uh, to a certain extent, I, th- I think the EFL are damned if they do and damned if they don't, because mm. there have been an awful lot of matches postponed. Um, some matches have been postponed at two or three hours' notice, where you have got fans. You know, given the nature of, you know, yep, we, we are yeah, we are be. football fans, and we we will be uh, we, are, we we'll have planned it in advance, but you'd have contingencies. There is nothing more irritating than than being halfway up a motorway or a train, mm. um, and, and you you hear the matches off. Or, although that that's that that can sometimes be one one of the best days out of the season uh-huh. because you say, "I'll oh, sod this for a game of soldiers." Where where are we? we we'll we'll get off the train now. We will go and find the nearest football match. Go to the local pub and and you have a fantastic time. I remember when we, we we had a match called off at Blackburns. So we went to Accrington. Fant- just just a great day out. And also, none of the stress of having to watch your own team play. <laughs> so, yeah, so you get a best of both worlds. Um, uh, but it, it it does seem a bit strange. It, it, it's a bit like saying, uh, you know, that there's been a reduction in uh, drink driving. Uh, uh, yeah, because we're not going to we're not going to people. people. And yeah. you go, yeah, that's not, not I think it's not quite dealing with the issue. And, and I know that some managers, uh, for example, Neil Critchley. Who, who is the the coach at Blackpool? Um, he said, "Yeah, we were down in the, and I think we have to we have to pay Harry Redknapp a royalty. We were down to the bare bones, yeah. um, but we just had enough players to to, to play a match. And, and Blackpool do have a small squad. They're in the Championship, um, and he he thinks that some clubs are, should we say, manipulating the rules because the EFL can't test." The individual players themselves to see whether they've tested positive for for, for COVID. So therefore, they've got to rely on on the reports that are coming in. Um, and and you know, as Neil Critchley said, we, we're now left in this crazy situation whereby we're effectively we are testing footballers for COVID six days out of seven. But on the on the seventh day when the match is taking place, we're pretending that COVID's a non-issue, and it mm. just seems to be. Uh, a, a very strange thing. So I, I, I think the EFL are desperate to play matches. Um, it, I think we've just heard that the Liverpool versus Arsenal uh, uh, FA uh, League Cup semi-final League Cup, yeah. that yeah. first leg's now being called off yeah. with a few hours to go. Um, that's a big earner for the EFL, so they're going to be disappointed by, from that. Uh, so so yeah, it's, it's being, but ultimately, it's being driven by money because mm. if, if matches have to be postponed you you've you paid for the catering you've paid for the stewards you've paid for this that and the other um and you you've you've got to uh, you've got to incur these fixed costs yeah
1: and i i feel on a bound uh or rather I, I can hear the voice of producer Guy in my head saying please say this that the the fact that you had harry Redknapp at the start of one very long sentence and the phrase manipulating the rules at the end of that same sentence does not imply in any way, shape or form that those two are linked. Sheer, sheer coincidence. Um, and our final story, uh, Kieran, uh, again, this is, this is one, every single football fan listening to this will go, ha, told you. Every, and I suspect 90% of them will rush into their partners and say, I told you, and their partner will go, oh, for God's sake, not this again. But it's been shown this season, Kieran, in the Premier League, the ball has been in play for an average of 54 minutes. Per game,
0: we're not getting our money's worth, Kieran. We, we, we're not getting our money's worth because it's it's decreasing. It's it's gone down from around about fifty seven uh, a, a few years ago, and and this appears to be part of a uh, a longer term trend. Now, you know, we 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 pay top dollar to watch football, and you know, we we don't we don't object too much because ultimately you know, we we can walk away. Um, but uh, a, a combination of um, Goal celebrations. Jesus Christ they're taking a lot of time. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, if 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 I was if I was watching Manchester City who was scoring six or seven a match, I'd be going, Hold on, yeah, how, how much football am I actually watching yeah. here? Um so goal celebrations, we, we know we know now that if if you watch a player who's taking a corner, he 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 gets out a, a compass. To to measure how far the ball is is next to the to the uh, the, the, the quadrangle, um, and be, before putting it down, and things are taking longer and longer, and this is part of an overgoing ongoing trend. Um, there are some clubs who who I, I won't name um, who appear to be playing less football than others, up to sort of six or seven minutes per game on a regular basis, because um, they're. Strategy is uh, to uh, if you're defending when you, when you kick it out, you don't just kick it out; you you wallop it out. And uh, uh, ball sometimes ball boys at individual clubs appear to be trained to to just sit sit on those little stools of theirs and watch the ball bobble by and not actually be ball boys. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's there's a lot of strategy going into this, but there is a solution, and th- this was something that was put forward by. IFAB, the 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 FIFA body, which which is looking to continually develop rules, and and they, they came out with this three or four years ago, which and at the time I thought it was it was a really sensible idea, is that first of all you take away the referee's responsibility for timekeeping, mm. and then you have an official timekeeper, and we play sixty minutes of football, so we're going to see more football, and get that thing, and you take away you take away the incentive um for players to time waste because the, the the official timekeeper if if you if you are a goal celebration you know he he or she will just stop the clock and the fans will see the clock being stopped as well so it's you know and and if if you've if you've watched uh, you know some of the american franchise sports watching the time timer go down is, is part of the enjoyment of the game um mm-hmm. and and to have two two uh, 30 minute periods so you'll end up a seeing more football but b taking away the incentive of clubs uh, or or of players and and they are coached to do this by the way of taking away the incentive to time waste because it, it, it is frustrating you know I've, mm. I've said i think on more one occasions on the show there nothing irritates me more even if it's from my team or the opposition of the player that takes the ball to the corner flag and, and then you get that you know fanning around I, I think that again a rule should be introduced there you can just you kick him up the arse um and, and and play on that's
1: all right if you if you're it up with 30 seconds to go You that's where you expect your players to take the ball gear in it's <laughs> proper game management and, and i'm going to pretend i didn't hear you say that about two two thirty minutes you'll be running four quarters next oh no just, no 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 it's, oh, okay. it's just it's too ass. hard oh fair yeah. enough all right um and it's uh, quadrant, Kieran, not quadrangle, unless it's the <laughs> yes. in-house, unless it's the Eton in-house soccer match. But it, you're quite right. The, the, our Christmas game against Norwich uh, referee, I think it's Paul Tierney. I know it's John Moss who was who was the VAR ref. So Paul Tierney's um, mic uh, equipment went down, possibly because he didn't want uh, John Moss's voice in his head any longer <laughs> than his strangely high voice, probably talking about his record chop, which is. Uh, the vinyl whistle, which is—is is it? Yeah, he's got a record shop called the Vinyl Whistle. Um, oh, wow! It's worth it just for the name. Yes. But, but the yeah, uh, Roy, who asked sitting next to, um, because he's got some qualities that you have, he timed it, and it was it was between seven and eight minutes, the 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 time it took to replace the microphone, uh, during which time we were also saying Norwich are going to score, and this time out added on for this, Norwich will definitely score. This is an outrage. And then there are a couple of other injuries, so there should have been ten minutes added on. Three. <laughs> yes. it, was, it was even it was only half the time that he, we were watching him fanning about with his with his microphone. So it's it, it is an issue, but it's always been an issue. It's, it's been from time immemorial. People, people say, oh, "I'm not getting my money's worth here." It's like, You've only paid a quid. You're watching toot in the midship. Stop knowing it. It's like, <laughs> um, and and on that upbeat note. <laughs> Uh, if you'd like to make a small donation or contribution to our always-free-to-air podcast, then please go to patreon.com slash priceoffootball. If you have a question for our Monday uh, questions pod, then please email them to questions at priceoffootball.com. And in the meantime, I shall hand you over for the customary farewell of Mr. Kieran Maguire. Uh,
0: well, once again, folks, thanks for the feedback. Thanks for the support. Uh, we, we do appreciate it. Uh, you know, Patreon is one method of doing that. For as little as a pound a month, as well, uh, but you, you don't have to do that. If you just want to give us some good karma, all that you have to do is to go to your Google Podcast app or your your Apple Podcast app, um, and uh, and give a review. And uh, you know, if you'd like, is to give us five stars. That that's fantastic. We're always appreciative of it. It it helps us in the charts. It helps us to uh have have some credibility. Which when you've got two half-assed Blokes from South London hosting a pod is is something which is probably lacking uh, in some way, um, but it, it it doesn't matter what you say um, on the reviews. You could you could say that you'd, you'd rather have it hosted by Shimea Begum and Tommy Robinson. Now, I'm not sure what the ratings would happen to that show. They'd either go one way or the other. I'm not sure I'd listen to it myself, if truth be told. But you, you can write whatever you want. So if you give us the stars, apparently it's the stars which which go into the algorithm and not the comments, because otherwise it would be very, very surreal.
1: That is your most random one yet. The randomizer has come up with a, with a cracker there. Bye, everybody. Bye.
0: Bye. I for football.